listeners will be aware that we've been focusing on the right and the far right because mm. that's in the ascendancy and that's mm. been mm. I mean it's also fascinating if a bit depressing and terrifying because mm-hmm. um, why we spent the most of our episodes yeah. talking about and so for the first time you know uh, there is something genuinely exciting and potentially historic mm. going on on the left mm-hmm. which we can talk about mm. because even you know the Mélenchon episode we did mm. You know, sentimental we, we, or, or almost, yeah, it was um, almost a sort of eulogy, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. to what Mélenchonism was. Mm, mm. And of course, it's evolving and it's no longer necessarily Mélenchonism per mm, se. Mm, mm, uh, but we were wrong to call it too early mm, for, for, for its ability to, be, mm, mm, to, to inscribe itself in continuity. Mm, 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 and all this is great news. I love being wrong about stuff that's bad, you know, so that's good. Um, that being said, the story though, the big other big story is five more years of Macron. Yeah, that, that is the main story. Um, Macronism, if not victoriously triumphant, still holding on to power mm. and still he will be there defining more or less much of the pace of the next five years in France. Yeah, um, of course. It's, there's been a sort of just general flurry of like I mean, new names coming out as far as sort of different party forces and whatnot. Uh, Macron's party has again changed its name to Renaissance. Renaissance, <laughs> renewal. Um, so say goodbye to En Marche. Um, yeah. And I guess the Macronists, it's still unclear how, I guess, what, what everyone's looking at now with the presidential elections now behind us are the legislative elections in. Mid June, so again it will be a two-round vote, June twelfth and June nineteenth, to mm. sort of determine the parliamentary majority or, or who will control parliament. Uh, and Macron's, I guess, coalition, what he's uh, putting together, I guess you have the big block of En Marche deputies, uh, and then allies on the center, which he's had like Bayrou, and then Edouard Philippe, who's sort of Macron's first prime minister, who's putting together, who has put together another sort of. Who's a, Macron ally. He's a sort of centre-right right. kind of uh, figure. Yeah. And so is Bayrou. I mean, the modem, Bayrou's yeah. modem is like the, a centrist party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, you know, Macron's trying to gather all the people he can into his tent. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, because ultimately he's pretty threatened by what's going on on the left. And we'll get on to that uh, mm. for those not quite familiar with what's going on. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's trying to get them in as much as possible, but there's still quite a lot of tensions. Indeed, mm. it seems more, so, much more so than mm. in the left kind of coalition that's forming. Mm. Um, and so the question is, basically, is, so yeah, Macron's won with a smaller mandate than last time. Uh, Marine Le Pen got a bigger, bigger vote than last time as well. So how how, how much weaker is this victory than the last one, I think? First, first sort of thing to answer. Yeah. I, Significantly weaker, I think, is 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 the sort of the shorthand. Sure. You know, he will be weaker in Parliament, no matter what happens. Yeah. And his mandate is weaker. And he, how should you say, he he needs how she, when he won immediately, and obviously in between the rounds, he was giving this sort of doing his leaning left discourse. Sure. He's like, oh, I'm still progressive, which goes to show 
that he feels that pressure from the left, mm. both in the electorate mm. and on the party, mm. in, you know, in the partisan sphere. Among things he's announced is sort of, or he'll make sort of the prime minister in charge of, and he's borrowed from the sort of left, he's borrowed the term sort of ecological planning. So he said sort of the prime minister will lead what will sort of be the, the major cause of the second, his second mandate, uh, ecological planning will be, I guess, in the plans as there are now, but we sort of two new ministers uh, uh, who sort of will be a, a, a kind of division of the old ecological ministry, which will be taxed with sort of um, a grand scale sort of ecological planning. I mean, I, I don't know if how much that will I don't believe be word sincere, <laughs> but um, he, yeah, as, as you said, he's clearly having to somewhat attack the left, at least rhetorically. Uh, and he wants, at least he's claimed to want someone, sort of his prime minister, to be someone who represents sort of the social pole in France. So something also that needs to be said is that, you know, one of the main tendencies of the past five, ten years, the sort of breakdown of the traditional party division, party system in France, with the centre-left establishment party PS and the centre-right establishment party LR, uh, sort of disintegrating that has been fully consolidated i mean like for those who are familiar with the presidential results i mean the ps got what was it 1.7 yeah, um and lr got four was it? yeah um and so both those two main establishment parties are completely out of the game mm. uh, as far as actual as gaining any actual power mm -hmm. uh, and being popular is mm. concerned you know on the right lr has been squeezed out um, by, you know, the National Front or National Rally, as they call it now, mm -hmm. and also Zemmour's party, which is taking their bourge some of their bourgeois voters, mm -hmm. and, you know, the RN is taking some of their more lower middle class voters. Mm -hmm. And so they're just being squeezed out, and from what I've read, they're also being super sectarian in regards to the legislative elections. They're like, no agreements with Reconquête, mm. which is Zemmour's party, mm. or the RN, mm. Mm. which mm. is, as far as I'm concerned, fantastic news. <laughs> um, or, with, uh, or with Mac the Macronists. Oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no agreements with the Macronists either, yeah. who are also taking their sort of liberal kind of votes. Sure, sure, sure. And a big wing of sort of old Sarkozy's have... Well, Sarkozy's endorsed yeah. uh, uh, Macron. Right, right. Um, Edouard Philippe is ex-LR. Yeah. Um, but, um, but also, I mean, I guess to maybe about the sort of the three blocks. Three yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. That that's um, that's the other factor sort of in Macron's strength, more or less, as well. I mean, sure, we could talk about how his, I guess, the margin between him and Le Pen has withered since 2017, but uh, he really is in this position, kind of sitting aside... Um, Kind of the traditional French political class that is, I mean, just a very strong political position to be in. I mean, he he has so many of the sort of political opinion makers mm. still behind him. Yeah, um, of course. For just the overwhelming majority of sort of establishment journalists, he is yeah. the only sort of credible figure yeah. uh, of national stature. Um, well, so that's the other tendency that's properly consolidated itself even more is this tripartite division of the political field in between right. the centre block Macron, yeah. uh, the right block hegemonised more and more by Marine Le Pen or by the, the, the national rally, as they call it now. I'm, I'm going to continue calling it the National Front. <laughs> um, and on the left, now hegemonised finally by La France Insoumise and by Mélenchon. Um, and that's 
I suppose that's it, it's gonna it's gonna the next five years is how those three poles are gonna play out. Right, right. You know, are they gonna break up? Are they gonna be able to to, to sort of weather the storms mm -hmm. in their different ways? Mm -hmm. You know, the right are in the worst electorally. They've got the most votes together. Um, but they're in the worst position in terms of making coalitions and, mm -hmm. and, and doing things together. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the centre are in electorally a good position. Obviously, Macron won. He got the highest uh, share of the vote the first round. Mm -hmm. But they're a bit more tense. There's a bit more of a fragility to the coalitions that then that, that, that Renaissance is is trying to embody. And because if you think about the fact that it's over fifty percent of French first-time voters chose someone of either the left or the right, yeah. not a centrist. Yeah. So politically, yeah, in the institutions, in sort of, I guess, electorally strong because of the way the French election system mm. works and functions, mm. but in the sort of ideological terrain of actually just sort of field French of opinion yeah. in French society, it's sort of a tenuous sort of... Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's a tenuous position. And also particularly because the only thing that's holding that block together is Macron's presidency. Without Macron's presidency and the sort of opportunities it would offer, or it does offer, yeah. uh, there would be a, a war of, of, of heritage, you know, who gets to inherit the block. Yeah. And, and that will, they'll be at each other's throats for that. Now, on the we'll left, see. we'll have to see. Well, we'll have to see. I, well, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, and on the left, of course, there's this new coalition right. emerging, the new popular union. Well, how would you even translate it? The new ecological and social popular union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the noop. Yeah. The noops. <laughs> um, which, you know, has, has accomplished in the space of a week what everyone thought was impossible. Right. So last, um, on May 1st, you had, I guess, the first big agreement, which was between the Greens and France Insoumise. Uh, last Thursday and sort of throughout last week, you had, uh, I guess, the Communist Party under Fabien Roussel yeah. and the Socialists uh, under Olivier Faure also sort of join what was al already sort of a kind of loose institution that France Insoumise actually set up during the presidential campaign, which was then called the, sort of the popular union, the Union Populaire. Yeah. And that was sort of, I guess, maybe just briefly describe what that, I guess, the idea, because it has somewhat germinated before, um, I guess it became a bit more formal over the last week, but it was sort of a, Mélenchon was, I guess, the France Insoumise candidate this year of the Popular Union. So the Popular Union was something that was set up by France Insoumise people um, to sort of become the kind of umbrella organization. Um, and for them, during the presidential campaign, it was a way that people that didn't want to sort of formally support France Insoumise could support, sort of Mélenchon's, could support candidacy. Mélenchon's candidacy or whatever this sort of new yeah. kind of left space. And also it was a way to bring in more kind of associations and sure, more people from yeah, civil society. Because yeah. they've got, even got a parliament, the Union Populaire, right, right, which right. is constituted of lots of like associations yeah, and yeah, social yeah. organisations right. and stuff like that. Public figures. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think probably the way Mélenchon saw it is we'll create this because then after the election, when we come out on top on the left, mm. we'll already have a framework to try and fit everyone mm. into. You know, I think, mm. I, I honestly, I mean, we'll get onto this in a sec, but you know, Mélenchon is such an impressive politician, you know, mm. now, now that we sort of, 
we're out of the lull and we can see that, that there was a there was actually a, there was a strategy a quite a long-term strategy mm. and this was a stage in it clearly mm. um you know i'm more and more impressed with him and he's always been a talented politician and stuff uh, but i, I suppose no, we'll start with what what this new coalition in between the communist party the socialist party the greens and la france insoumise is is provoking in the rest of the political field mm. which is utter condemnation mm-hmm. and panic and sort of confusion among both political journalists and opposing political figures mm-hmm. i mean the sort of what we've referred to in the past as a flipping of the republican front which traditionally the republican front is everyone against the far right um and what's been happening over the past five years is it's become everyone against the far left which includes the far right all the way to macron and parts of the peers uh saying you know the real threat is is that france insoumise mm. and that is cuz continued i mean you have the far you know the president of uh the rn the sort of parliamentary group jordan bardella saying more or less the same thing as uh Beirou, the, the the leader of of modem mm. you know the, the, yeah the 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 spokesperson the, for the palace like yeah. like basically saying that you know the pc the ps have sort of uh, sold out their republican sold out their republican yeah, values yeah, yeah. and then and they're making their peace with the sort of racist anti-racists For, yeah, yeah. uh the wokist yeah. and the islamogoshist yeah. and they're bringing out all these sort of like elements of discourse which have been relatively effective over the past couple of years now few years um and more and more it seems super weak like mm-hmm. it seems like it's how she said before because that concept of these was relatively marginalized it was plausible to be able to public credit publicly credible to be able to say these re- quite outrageous things mm-hmm. um and now that the ps and, uh, and and the greens are in there it feels more you know how she get it, it becomes more and more transparently personal transparently uh either transparently personal or transparently they're a threat we need to Do say bad things about them entirely. and um you know it's quite refreshing i mean that you all these sort of old center left inverted commas center left i mean basically you know more centrist you know the ex president of the ps um uh french president but from the ps francois hollande uh, his prime minister manuel valls and the entire old guard of the, the entire old guard so there's a few there are a few exceptions like jospin segle royal jospin yeah i mean there the the with some of these with some of these it's of, kind of surprising with segle royal i mean there is it's it's refreshing because so few of these old sort of elephants elephants yeah. as they're yeah. sort of in terms sort of these yeah. old unemployed um whinging from the sidelines just like old PS sort of but you can also officials who have I mean, Sigmund Royal who was the party candidate in 2007 against Sarkozy who lost and actually it was because of the Royal line in the Socialist Party so she was sort of the more social liberal line of the mm-hmm. PS so it's because she won that Mélenchon actually originally left yeah. the Socialist Party yeah. um, and even before the first round of the election Sigmund Royal I mean had the wherewithal to be like okay guys Mélenchon is clearly the the unity candidate on the left and we have to support them. But so that's the thing is all the objections that people like Hollande, Combedelis, Combedelis, Casnova are making yeah. it feels so um pathetically personal. 
You know, they're like, the, the, the reasons they give for why this is a bad idea is because the PS is basically humiliating itself in their view and the PS is, sub is subjugating itself. Frankly, it just shows such a detachment from reality because like, what do they actually expect the PS to do, you know? I mean, there, there are, I guess, some like, there are debates between, like there are, I guess, some serious debates like between, I guess, the center left, uh, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and the Melanchonists, mm -hmm. but like, they are so overridden by the unity that yeah. again voters have chosen and which yeah. is so the real kind of the real center of gravity is for unity more or less behind a lot of the propositions that the north stands yeah. for for example i mean in the, a lot of the coverage that i've seen of it just the debates that they try, I mean, trying to, again, tarring sort of Mélenchon as, yeah, the yeah. Putin apologist. So here, the, today in Le Monde, yeah. there was a Daniel Cohn-Bendit, so one of the old sort of 68ers who became a Green Eurodeputy for a number of years and is now a Macronist, more or less. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, tarring the, the Greens for selling themselves out to a Putin apologist. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This will be a third of sort of the French parliament in the next five years, which will be behind Putin sort of selling out the Ukrainians uh, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on the European Union too, I mean, the uh, European Union. But yeah. you, you've seen, uh, and Julien Bayou in his speech, so on Saturday there was, I guess, the inaugural, I guess, conference or convention, uh, sort of the pre-legislative election convention of the NUPS, of the, yeah. uh, of the Union Populaire. And I mean, Bayou, the, in his quote, so Bayou is the national secretary of the PA, of the Greens, yeah. um, so, again, borrowing the Mélenchon line about the European Union, in 2017 it was much more clearly, we're going to leave the European yeah. Union. Uh, in line with, again, in 2005, yeah. the Mélenchonist vote, uh, I guess Mélenchon supporting a like, left-no vote on the European Constitution. Yeah. Um, but by you, I mean, it's, the, the line clearly is, from Mélenchon now, is we need to, I guess, disobey from the, the rules of the European Union to save it. It's not a question of leaving the European Union, but France because of its position that it is and the power that it has in the European Union, can disobey without leaving. On ne fait, which, pas, on ne fait pas l'Europe sans la France. <laughs> which is one of the strengths that I guess the French left needs to actually take yeah. advantage, is but, the centrality of France in the European Union to yeah. actually pressure changes. And also I, I feel like the, the, the agreements that they've been able to base their sort of alliances alliance on in the NUP kind of blow up a little bit all of these di supposed massive differences which separate them like True. in so many interviews on like mainstream French radio or TV with people from La France Insoumise or people from the PCF or people from the PS or people from the Greens mm. you know the journalists are really trying to push these divisions mm. I mean like but this is surely existential for you you know it's the nuclear with the PCF it's uh, Europe and Le Quinquennat, the, the sort of Hollande mandate mm. uh, for the PS, uh, and La Laïcité, blah, 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 and with the Greens, it's Europe. You know? And what's also interesting is that the PS, you know, to different degrees of explicitness, is, is being forced to politically liquidate the Hollande kind of mandate. And what, because, you know, the Hollande mandate put through all these laws which completely disillusioned the left-wing electorate um, mm. and, and put the PS on a, a totally downwards trajectory, sure. a chronically downwards trajectory. And that's, that's having to be reckoned with properly by the PS. And, mm. and there's, there is a rupture that is, 
it's been forced into a rupture with what they call the elephants, the sort of older generation that was in charge at the time and decided on this line and on this orientation, which was a capitulation with, you know, international capital, essentially, mm -hmm. after the crisis and so on. Um, and, and they're having to publicly liquidate that. Mm -hmm. and, I and that's sort of important, sure, I think. Yeah. You know, it's important that that, that happens because it makes the PS somewhat a little bit credible again. And now some people think that's a bad thing. You know, the, N the NPA, Le Nouveau Parti Anticapitaliste, mm -hmm. is quite marginal, sort of post-Trotskyist party, but that does run presidential elections and gets 2%, 3% of the vote sometimes. And they have left the NUP. Oh, they were never in it, but they... They were invited into it. They were invited into it. But, but they, they, they declined because the PS joined and they thought, like, this is re-credibilizing the PS and we can't abide by this. I think that they're being silly. But, but at the end of the day, if the PS is able to, how should we say, reintegrate into an authentically left-wing coalition, all the, all the better, as sure. far as I'm yeah. concerned. And you've got to hand it to Olympia Thor, so the other, for the National Secretary of the PS for knowing to just stand down all of the people who are yeah. who are throwing shit at the party now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he, he's clearly, he has, the, he, he has the, the tactical acumen to see where the future of the party is. I mean, what, so basically what all of the forces are going to get from the noops is basically they're dividing up the sort of circonscription, the legislative uh, districts. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess I don't have the numbers, I don't have the numbers right in front of us, but more or less, the France Insoumise are going to run, I think, it's in like 300 candidacies in 300 different districts. The Greens and the PS... Have a, the Greens have 100, the PS have, have like 60. Seven, 60 or 70, yeah. Um, um, and the PCF have... Like, um, I think it's like 40 or something like yeah. that, 36. So basically, for the France Insoumise, they're expected to maybe get between like 80 and 100, I think are some of the estimates I've seen. Uh, the Greens and the Socialists, sort of between 30 and 40 deputies. Yeah. And the PCF, yeah, between 15 and 20. So again, all of these forces are going to have what... I They're guess, all going to get what... what see, that's the group, I think... Parliamentary groups, which basically allows you to be on the sort of speaking role. Yeah, so but that's also... Sort of I mean, ultimately, power. that's what Olivier Faure, the sort of general secretary of the PS, is just seeing very much more clearly than these totally detached right. kind of, like, fantasists. You know, he's seeing if this party is going to continue existing... We need to get a minimum of people in Parliament. Mm, mm. And the only way to do that is through this left-wing coalition. Right, and even right. if it's just that purely sort of semi-cynical kind of parla you know, parliamentarist level, it makes sense, mm, you know. Mm, mm. Um, and that's what makes all, these, all the harping from the margins so, seem so weak and pathetic and sort mm. of foundationless mm. because... You know, they can't even claim, well, well, even though they are claiming, you know, one of what, what they will try and claim is that, oh, this coalition with La France Insoumise is going to lose loads of swathes of centre-left votes, uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't buy that at all. Um, and if you think, yeah, think of who they're really speaking to, when the, the sort of the old centre-left people that criticise it, they're, what they're really speaking to, which is extremely important and telling, and I guess cause for some sort of guarded optimism, they're speaking to people who... I guess have been more or less tempted by Macron over the last mm. five years, who seeing if we see where this sort of tripolar political field gravitates towards the next five years might be tempted to go back towards the left. Yeah. And what what is one of the advantages to sort of flip that on its head, one of the advantages for France Insoumise and the mentalness of having this sort of 
umbrella force with the Greens and the Socialists is that a, those forces are now under their umbrella, but they can be sort of the repositories for picking off some bits mm. of Macron's coalition. Absolutely. Back again under sort of the sway of Mélenchon. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's, it really... Via the Greens or the PS. This is, I guess, the optimistic reading of what it might be able to do, but there is some case for that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Expanding the coalition will be a good way to sort of expand the left coalition. Yeah, and I think that the tripartite presidential results in the first yeah. round show that this claim that the, 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 the PS voters or Green voters are going to be put off by an election, by a coalition with La France Insoumise, I think it shows that right. it's bullshit. It shows that it's kind of desperate, really. Mm -hmm. It's a, the sort of elephant grasping mm -hmm. the straws. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important to talk, to sort of emphasize Mélenchon's achievement, mm -hmm. which we, this is the result or a result, the most recent result of his achievement. And I think that an important, so firstly, the, the first way to, the, the way to understand it is that he has created, managed to create a situation where the, so, Wait, rewind a bit. In the history of the of left coalition, successful left coalitions in France, we'll stay with France, uh, it's always involved elements from the centre-left and elements from the radical left, right? Historically, the centre-left has always been in a senior position and the radical left has always been in a junior position. The Programme Commun of 72, Le Front Populaire 36, right? It's always been that configuration. Now, what Mélenchon has managed to create is a new is a coalition in which the radical left is the senior partner mm. and the center left is the junior partner and that's a first in the history of France uh, you know obviously the result it'll only be historic after the results of the legislatives and if depending on if it persists over the next 5 years and they're able to present a unified presidential candidate mm. and maybe win and so on but so far this is an achievement that is unmatched in any other western country mm. the radical left has not been able well briefly in corbyn's labor for different reasons mm. but i think here it's important to bring into relief a sort of bit of a comparative perspective if we take sort of britain spain and france two countries where mm. new partisan challenges to the center left emerged uh, and in Britain, it, it burnt bright for, for a short time, but when it, once it was put out, it was very much put out because of the configuration of the Labour Party and, uh, and so on. In Spain, it went on a bit longer uh, and there was a bit of an impasse where there was like an election every year and the, PS, uh, the PSOE, the, the Spanish Socialist Party, and Podemos weren't able to reach an agreement and it took the far right uh, becoming an electoral threat to make them... Uh, former coalition government, uh, which is now in charge of the country. And what we have in France is something that seems to be taking place in a slightly longer temporality, where you have the coalition between the centre-left and the far-left, with the far-left as, as a senior partner, whereas in Spain it was the far-left as a junior partner. Um, this seems to be a stage in the potential victory of this coalition. And I suppose what, 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 it, what it allows for or what, what seems to have produced itself is a strategy which emerged firstly earlier. You know, Mélenchon broke from the Socialist Party 15 years ago and he's been trying to figure out how to get to this point right now for the past 15 years, mm. you know, as a precondition for being able to win a presidential election. 
obviously in Britain, Corbynism wasn't able to do that because Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party basically by accident. So there was no project beforehand. There was no strategy elaborated beforehand. And Podemos emerged in response to the Indignados movement. The closest uh, comparison is probably Die Linke in Germany. I mean, Oscar Lafontaine, who really is Mélenchon's inspiration. Yeah. So in the, in the mid-2000s, sort of after Schroeder's reforms of the SPD, after the, the real right-wing shift of the German Social Democrats, but Lafontaine, I mean, sort of more or less failed. I mean, yeah. Die Linke is... Yeah increasingly marginal um, yeah. and that was Mélenchon's real big inspiration in that sort of mm. sort of third way yeah. social liberal turn in the mid 2000s but um, well, Mélenchon basically has managed uh, or has 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 succeeded where his other european counterparts have failed mm. he succeeded in imposing himself as a senior partner in a broad left wing coalition uh, and we'll see what happens with the legislatives, but it would seem relatively durable. At least their hegemonic position is durable. Whether this coalition is durable, you know, I suppose... Look, the questions to have are like, sure, yeah, Mélenchon, both Mélenchon and Macron have, have enabled this. Yeah. Uh, so it's to the degree to which there is some sort of centrist block that sticks mm. together... There really just isn't a space for the Greens and the Socialists. For the cent- there is no space for the centre-left anymore. Right, right. Um, and what I guess is, I think, important about this agreement is that there will, I think, over the next five years, be some sort of attrition, mm-hmm. sort of long-term attrition of the Macronist coalition, mm-hmm. which means that the centre-left, at least, is going to somewhat be reconstituting under the umbrella of Mélenchon. And I think, you know, Mélenchon and his team and his vision from the beginning really deserves all the credit, you know. Um, I, you know, I mean, he, he's also just a very impressive rhetorician. And, you know, he has his faults and we've spoken about it already in previous episodes. But, you know, I would, I would, I would do terrible things to have someone with a, a, a fraction of the talent in charge of the British left. Other people get credit for the wrong reasons. Hollande gets some credit. Menno Bass gets some credit. Yeah, and yeah. Macron gets no credit yeah, yeah. For, for the opposite reasons. They, yeah. And they broke up what was... Sort the of left, the, yeah. Yeah, what remained of the Socialist Party. Um, I mean, but that's the thing. is like, from day one, Mélenchon was like... from As soon as the crisis happened, as soon as he saw the sort of vacillation... As soon as 2005, he saw everything. Yeah, but particularly somewhere. with the crisis, and you, he saw the vacillation within the PS of what to do in relation to it, and then obviously there was the Hollande mandate. And, and he was just like, the PS is going to stop being relevant and there's going to be a massive space on the left of it and we need to fill that space. And he saw that and he's just been banging his head against the wall since and finally there's a big old crack that he's made in the wall. I mean, that's what's so sort of silly and disingenuous about the whole... Oh, sort of the Socialist Party is capitulating to the extreme gauche, to the extreme left. Mélenchon is... He's a PS, bro. He's <laughs> an old PS, just sort yeah. of... This very one... You could also look at this as sort of a... Sort of the reimposition of the Mitterrandis, sort of the, yeah. the... Of sort of an original line in the Socialist Party, which yeah. is... Which has reaffirmed itself sort of through kind of yeah. the, the crack yeah, One of could the argue that the true Socialist Party sort of spirit is right. actually Mélenchon, you know. I mean, somewhat, he would... Sure. He would I mean, he wouldn't argue that publicly, but he might have uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, and we all know he's thinking about it at all. I suppose we'll, we'll get on to the sort of stability, 
limits of this coalition sure. of the noop. I guess you have right now, sort of as part of the ongoing, I guess, freakout specifically in the Socialist Party, you have a number of sort of elected officials in the PS who are essentially sort of um, breaking from the party line. And well, they're like, pissed off because they're, they're going to, but they're going to support this dissident candidates yeah, throughout been, but like, districts. And well, so stuff. that's the thing is there's a, there's a few candidates who have been asked to step down because like, you know, there's agreements being made and, mm. and constituencies being handed out. And as it happens, they fall into the cracks mm. or whatever. Mm. And they're really pissed off and they're going to run as dissident candidates. And like, but like, there's some confusing stuff. I, mean, I think it's also part of a sort of post-negotiation tactic in a way, because Jospin, who was the uh, prime minister um, under Chirac in the cohabitation, um, he... And Mélenchon was in Jospin's government. And Mélenchon was in Jospin's government. Uh, he endorsed the Noop coalition, but now he's sort of harping on a little bit about this candidate in the 20th arrondissement in Paris who is being asked to step down and she's actually the legitimate candidate. And I feel like it's just, it's a way for maybe the PS to try and assert itself a bit more because that's another thing is like all these elephants, as they call them, all the people harping from the sidelines. Jospin's not part of them. Jospin's on the good side uh, for now. And, and uh, but they, they sort of... How should we say that the way that, you know, they're almost trying to like bait the PS into leaving the noob because they're like, oh, only whatever 60 constituencies, that's utterly humiliating. Like, no, 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 no. And it's true that the, you know, the balance of interests is delicate to a certain extent. Like you need to be able to give the parties enough of what they want to be able to keep them together. For now, that is what's keeping them together is electoral incentives. And we'll see how ideologically it sort of solidifies. And someone like Carl Delga, yeah. who's the sort of someone who's trying to position herself as, I guess, a next gen leader of the PS mm. against sort of the four line, uh, against the ODB four line. She's going to sponsor a whole sort of dozen or two candidates for the legislatives, yeah. non PS, non approved. Mm. Um, by the noop yeah. in Occitanie, sort of her region. Yeah. I guess also a, as far as but a lot of people of... have been squeezed, and that's normal that people have been like because I know I've read I read about um, some sort of civil society people who are going to get presented as candidates by La France Insoumise originally, and have been working up and they're like municipal councillor and blah 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 have been have been priced out of mm. a, you know a, a seat or a candidacy being able to run just because. That's just what happens, you know, you have to make compromises. And so there might be some dissident candidates even sort of from the left. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of people, a lot of these old, I mean, again, you know, we've been calling them people who have no sort of actual sort of decision-making capacity in the PS or as elected officials. But it seems like Carl Delga with François Hollande, with Stéphane Le Fos, the mayor of, Mans, of Le yeah. Mans, uh, they're going to put together a more or less a full list of, uh, of dissident candidates. Again, it, yeah, there's no space. There's no space. Continuing, no, 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 there's a space for them. Continuing. They in, are going to in the put their recent uh, obsession of the centre left to have its only function be to block the actual left um, <laughs> in elections. And as far as uh, this is not something that I fully follow, but uh, as far as I guess. It's the limits. I mean, it really is just for the legislative yeah. sort of election. It's an election which is maybe an advantage. Maybe it's an advantage that for now it is this sort of quite loose 
sort of alliance between these structures. They sure agree on there. There's some programmatic agreement around the France Insoumise program. program. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're basically, the coalition is officially based on the program and the electoral incentives. That's basically it. Right, right. Um, which one of the avengers of that is because the groups in parliament could vote independently, there's not necessarily the ground for, and assuming they are going to be sort of in the minority, there's not necessarily, a, will be a ground for a sort of full rupture of the next five years. It lays the groundwork for sort of a potential infrastructure to have a primary candidate. Yeah. Uh, also, as far as just, I mean, unifying forces, now there's a ground to say that, I mean, if you take all the major cities in France, the mayors of Bordeaux, Paris, Lyon, uh, Marseille, Lille, Grenoble, these are all, I guess, more or less elected officials of the NUP. What's been the strength, but also an objective critique for la, of La France Insoumise over the past few years, is that it's, it was very unipolar, very centralised, relatively undemocratic. Um, but that was also a strength. It allowed it to persist, to weather the storm, to hold the line, right? And now that we have this new multipolar space emerging, sort of hosted by l'Union Populaire, there is, of course, much more scope for division, much more scope for for not necessarily being able to weather the storms as a unified force. Now that we're in the we're at the we're in the realm of speculation here, but there's definitely multipolar partisan coalitions are more vulnerable to being divided by you know the media or whatever on certain issues than a unipolar one. That's just mm. sort of obvious. And also, I uh, you know, this is a, an important point, which is that, I mean, me and you have been talking about this, that like, what's also quite exciting is the new references, all these new historical references that are sort of flooding the media sphere, whereas before it was, you know, kind of a bit depressing mm -hmm. historical references uh, of the rise People of the right. Pétain for all of us. <laughs> I know, fuck me, the whole last year was about Pétain, yeah. And uh, anyway, and now all the references are 36, the Front Populaire, 72, the Programme Commun, La Gauche Plurielle of the 1997. But the truth is, is that, you know, results of the legislatives mediating, this is, this is a historic sort of possibility, but nonetheless, um, it is very much unlike Le Programme Commun of 72 and very much unlike Le Front Populaire of 36, insofar as it's not the emanation of a mass movement. Uh, it's a parliamentary, uh, very, very, which I'm very happy about, a parliamentary coalition, which is trying to work with movements and trying to sort of work within that space, but it's not like Le Front Populaire, which is the emanation of different mass movements that have their partisan expressions, which then come into coalition, you know, in the institutions. And as was the, the programme commun with the communists and the socialists, there is a weaker mass, you know, the mass movement component of this coalition today is, of course, a lot weaker. And that's just, that's just historical, you know, the unions are weaker, the left in, in society is weaker, you know, um, than it was in the 70s and the 30s. Um, I think that's just sort of obvious. And it doesn't necessarily mean, it's just a limit. It's a, it's a, it's a fact. Um, and I think that that needs to be borne in mind. And certainly it would seem that part, at least the part strategy of the France Insoumise is to sort of try and embed itself through in movements mm. by giving candidacies to people that are from mm. certain mm. organisations or whatever. 
Um, but that, that, you know, if Mélenchon were to get into power in five years on a new candidacy, for example, you know, it would need a stronger anchorage in a uh, self-confident and relatively powerful mass movement. Well, um, who knows if Mélenchon will run? I mean, yeah, no, no, but I'm just, just hypothetically. Hy- well hypothetically. It yeah. seems like he's not even going to be running for... I don't actually don't know that. Oh yeah, apparently he's that. not even running. He's not even running for parliament. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and so I suppose we can sort of get onto the concrete perspectives now over the past next five years and the legislatives. I and I think so. the wait, first thing that needs to be said actually is Mélenchon's comms strategy at the moment, or the L'Union Populaire's comms strategy, the NUP comms strategy is Mélenchon prime minister. So in France, usually what happens is the prime minister is selected by the president from the largest parliamentary group in, in Parliament, from the majority. Now, last time he had the majority, so he picked whoever he wanted. But the idea being that uh, in what Mélenchon and l'Union Populaire's comm strategy is calling the third round of the presidential elect, well, the third round is the first round of the presidential election, the second round, and then the legislative elections two months later. Mélenchon, their, their comm strategy is give us a majority in Parliament. And then uh, Macron will have to pick me as his prime minister because he will have no other way to mm. govern. And then the prime minister, who does dispose of quite a lot of powers, as prime minister, he can put through, you know, minimum wage increase, can put through X, Y, Z thing that is an important part of their programme. Uh, I mean, the French president with the parliamentary majority is hyper-powerful. Yeah. Without yeah. a parliamentary majority, uh, the French president is... Very much restrained and yeah. essentially over foreign policy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. This is what's significant about this is again, Macron is the first president re elected since 2002. He's also the first president re elected when the parliamentary election schedule and the presidential election schedule have been synchronized. Mm. So basically, you yeah. have now yeah. every five years synchronous presidential yeah. primary election, president parliamentary elections, whereas traditionally the president at the end of his first term would actually be facing a opposition parliamentary yeah. majority, yeah. which upon re-election, so last time when Chirac was elected in 2002, he dissolved parliament and got a new majority. But now with the sort of synchronized schedules, Macron is very likely to face, obviously, most likely outcome from June will be a new sort of form of Macronist majority. Or a hung parliament. Will be a weak, it will yeah. be a much weaker majority. But specifically because of this new, I guess, these parliamentary elections have a bit more interest than the 2017 yeah. incoming president. The logic is for many voters, okay, let's just give him this guy, we just yeah, gave yeah. power, let's give him a parliamentary yeah. majority. But because of the tensions behind, I guess, yeah. Macron's strength slash yeah. sort of febrile position that he's in, there are a lot more opportunities and a lot yeah. more things could happen. And too. I personally think, although I think it's a very good comm strategy, Mélenchon, Premier Ministre, right. Prime Minister, um, you know, it's not going to happen, I don't think. Um, unless, the only way it would happen if, if, it's, if, if, if Macron literally had no other, like Macron's not stupid, he knew, he knows what it would mean to put Mélenchon as Prime Minister. Mélenchon would just put through things that he thinks are good and as soon as he had to, Macron asked him to make any compromises, he'd resign and retain his credibility and Macron would look like shit. Um, and so Macron's not stupid. He knows that it would be a massive defeat for him if if, Mélenchon, if he were, had to make Mélenchon mm. prime minister and he would do everything to avoid it, I think. Mm. Um, but what is important is 
even with a, a kind of modest estimate, the left still come out uh, with anywhere in between 100 and 200 deputies, you know. Uh, 150, that's the most of the estimates. I guess I there was yeah. one Omelsh like internal estimation that was leaked or that they leaked. I mean, obviously, maybe to be taken somewhat of a grain yeah. of salt, but their estimation is somewhat in the sort of 300 ballpark for for um, macronists, 100 more or less for the far right, and between sort of 60 and 70 nationalists and 50 divided sort of between green socialists and payers, I think was the, the roundup. Yeah, and so even with a modest estimate, you have, uh, the left has increased its parliamentary presence by like eight times, you know. Uh, so, you know, and this is, I think, part of the National's achievement is he, he clearly, I think he saw quite clearly that a victory at the presidential election, although that is the ultimate objective and they will try every electoral cycle, the precondition for that is something like this. Mm. Bec- not only because to have a unified left candidate at the presidency, but also once you have a left president, to have some kind of power base in the institutions, in parliament, at the municipal level, at the regional level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's being built right now. You know, mm. wh- Whatever happen- happens in these legislatives, the left is going to increase their parliamentary presence by a hell of a lot. Mm. And over the next five years, there's going to be municipal elections, regional elections, there's going to be all sorts of... of new social movements. New social movements. And that the presence of the left in Parliament is going to increase. The power of the left in Parliament is going to increase. Um, And this stage that we're in now is, you know, regardless of how long it takes to get to a next stage of left-wing breakthrough, left-wing breach, this is unreservedly encouraging. Mm -hmm. And, and, And the left are going to be more powerful than they've been in the institutions in a while. You know, I mean... We exclude Hollande as president because <laughs> that was, I suppose, not really the left. Um, yeah, and I some think good news. Yeah, I think the, the, the all round good news and the French left has 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 broken through and is breaking through in a way, in an unexpected way and in a and in a way that really signals an, a strategic achievement by mm. by the far left, one that 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 wasn't achieved mm. uh, in, in in other in other post sort of crisis mm. left wing challenges to the establishment mm. you know maybe we're speaking too soon of course the real the real verdict will be the results of the legislative elections in a, in a month's time yeah so yeah, we're we'll be back i guess with our june episode we're going to get do somewhat of a parliamentary politics episode we'll do, more yeah, or less we'll... historically though inf- inflected with we're going to read a sort of a classic of French pamphleteering mm. I guess. yeah 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 um, and uh, it will be a sort of introduction a way into sort of a, a few episodes that we want to do on the French Fifth Republic yeah. um, and of course we'll, 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 we'll relay the results of the legislative election sure. what it means at the beginning of the end so for now uh Goodbye. Goodbye, guys.